We have gathered to acknowledge that we are known and loved by God. We know this God to be our creator and provider. We know this God to be the omni-God, omnipresent, everywhere, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, knowing all there is to know. We are gathered to worship in the name of God, who knows us and loves us. Amen. Let us pray. God of boundless love, in the wilderness of our pain, provide comfort. As we find our way through dark moments, be our light. When our sadness has a firm grip on us, be our encouragement. When our tongues condemn the actions of others, give us a new voice. Write your story into the actions of our daily lives, holy God. Amen. So today's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God in lofty words or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit and power so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do not speak wisdom, though it is not wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. But we speak of God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages um, for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Here ends the reading. Thank you for your patience. Even the shortest distances seem endless when one is late. <laughs> I think in some way or another, consciously or not, every human being seeks a connection to God. Everyone longs to be linked to something beyond themselves, something reliable and constant and meaning-giving, something that can help us find in that other a reliable sense of who we are and what our place is in a world too complex and a personal experience too broad to comprehend. We all want to know who we are and what we are a part of. We can see this longing for a connection to the divine in the development of the world's great religions. But through the collective articulation of a great faith over time, though this 
Articulation gains power and insight over time. It also narrows and codifies something that, to start with, was ineffable and which continues to change and always, is cha always challenges our ability to describe. And now, in this modern age of doubt and individualism, somehow the object of our longing is a God who is at the same time intensely close and personal and knows us, and absolute and ultimate and knows everything is with us and yet beyond us. In the scriptural tradition, Christians have both received from Judaism and then developed on their own this longing for a God both powerful and ultimate and close and caring has found its focus in Jesus, whom his early followers called the Christ, the one from God, the Messiah. In believing that Jesus was the incarnation of God in human form, Christians made quite tangible that longing to have and hold together the ultimate God of eternity and the intimate God of personal love. It was a complicated idea, to be sure, it still is, and even now Christians can get caught up in the tensions that that kind of divine reality creates, or even in some cases could get lost in its complexities. Like Goldilocks's porridge, it can't be too hot or too cold. Our God must be just right, caring for us personally as a friend, and yet a powerful creator and the master of all that is. And the faith of many, and not just Christians, has often been shaken or even lost over an image of God that was either too large and indifferent to care for our hurts, or too small and too tame to calm our great fears. When St. Paul writes to the Christians in Corinth that he has decided to speak to them only of Jesus, the crucified one, and not of the lofty wisdom of God's great mystery, he's acknowledging the tension between the imminent and the transcendent God, between the intimate and the ultimate, the God of love and the God of power. And he makes a choice. Paul points away from all the ways God has been known and imagined in the past toward a new reality, a God present and revealed in human life and most powerfully known in human suffering, drawing us away from the lofty wisdom of a God who can do and does everything and anything, God in Paul, instead, shows us a God who can, in a sense, do nothing. Nothing, that is, but be deeply present in every moment 
of doubt and fear and pain we experience. Is this not too small a God, the one who lived as we live and died as we died? For some, perhaps it is. But in the intensity of human pain, the continual cruelty of humans to each other, and their collective carelessness toward creation, in the face of the cold, endless, unsearchable vastness of time and of the universe, perhaps only a God capable of such mysterious love, of such intimate solidarity, can be both a God of tenderness we can love and a God of power we can trust. A God who is both the singer and the song, mighty king and close friend, hidden and revealed. A God close enough to love and strong enough to trust. Amen. Let us pray. Ever vigilant God, when we are lost, find us. When we are broken, bind us. When we are timid, steer in us your courage. When we are separate, lead us into the company of others. And then, having been blessed by your action, send us out to bless others with your love. Amen. It is because of God's love that you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. 